This is Crow Inquisitors, and we are here for the last time, at least for season one of Crow Inquisitors, to talk about a behind-the-scenes thing. So the last thing I wanted to do for these kind of uh, GM-specific behind-the-scenes things we've been doing these last several episodes is talk about the secrets of season one. So there's a lot of uh, stuff going on behind the scenes. I mean, yeah, this is kind of what this is, BTS. but more specifically for me, right, as a GM behind the scenes, when the um, the game was running, there was a lot of stuff going on that the players weren't aware of. And to be fair, there was a lot going on that I wasn't 100% aware of either. So I guess the first thing I have to explain is my GMing style. I think I've talked about this a little bit, but the way that I typically um, GM games is I will... Um, have a pretty good general idea of the the arc that I want. Um, so for season one of Crow Inquisitors, we obviously knew uh, Suicide Squad, right? A group of criminals that are being tasked by the church to um, uncover a heretical cult. And I knew that was going to be the situation, the scenario, and that means it would end when they get the cult, right? So that's a pretty easy arc um, to, to already have in mind is a you know, good beginning, middle, and end. Not much to, um, uh, it's a, you know, it'll probably be pretty straightforward. We won't necessarily get into the weeds with a bunch of other stuff. Um, I'll know when the scenario is over. Um, but, uh, the rest of the, of the stuff, I, I improved. So I made a lot of characters. So I, I, I burned up a lot of characters as Bernie wheel characters. Um, and, you know, give them life paths and everything and try to get a general sense of who these people were, why they were involved in the cult. Um, and then other people who I knew weren't involved in the cult, but were in the town, um, made, a, made a several characters and then just kind of let the, the players roam free in Estel to, you know, see what they'll do. Uh, they have this mission, they have this, this task, they have to find the cult. Um, let's see what happens. And a lot of the events that take place in season one of Crow Inquisitors are, are, are pretty improv, but they're, you know, my style of improv, um, with something like this is very, um, prop heavy as it were. Right. So I, I take a list of things. I'm like, okay, I know these characters exist. I know how they act. I know this is the scenario and this is what's going on. Um, I know I want to play with these themes. Um, and I, I'll have those, all those things in the back of my mind the whole time we are playing. And, uh, so lots of, Lots of things that I can grab while improving, right, to help whatever scene I need um, to run next. But uh, in the process, right, I created a, a series of questions um, for myself. Uh, this is another thing that I do uh, when, when I'm playing a game like this, especially, you know, in a season like this, where it's going to have a beginning, middle, and end. What I'll, what I'll do is I will spend the first several episodes asking lots of questions. Um, right. I'll, I'll put a clue in the way of, uh, the party. I'll give them something that is mysterious and confusing, and I won't know the answer yet myself either. Right. I'll, I'll ask the question to them proverbially by, um, having the abbess suddenly for some reason, oh, she's, uh, making speeches. I wonder why that is. Who knows? She might be involved in the cult. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, obviously, that was a red herring, right? She wasn't part of the cult at all. 
Um, but uh, that's the sort of stuff I'll do. And I, when I said those things, right, when I, I gave the, uh, oh, the, the abbess is, is preaching in the town square and that's not, that's frowned upon. Um, I didn't 100% know she wasn't involved in the cult. But it was pretty safe to say that she probably wasn't, mainly because it was so obvious, right? I, I gave them this obvious red herring right off the bat to see where it would go. Um, and I thought it, it went wonderfully and, and led to some really interesting um, town politics stuff that they had to deal with. Um, but, uh, right, those are the sorts of, of questions that I'll ask as the, pl- you know, ask the players as the GM. What if the abbess is involved? Here's a clue that can, seems to point in that direction. How about you f- see if you can find the answer to that? And I, I spend the first, like, you know, half of the, of an arc asking lots of questions. Um, and then I'll sit down and I'll, you know, listen back through the episodes and I'll be like, okay, here are the questions I've asked. Here are the promises I've made, right? Here are the, the things I've hinted at, the guns I've put on the mantelpiece, so to speak, using Chekhov's gun as uh, a literary tool. Um, you right what have i emphasized what have i talked about a lot but not we haven't seen on screen yet those sorts of things um and then i'll actually answer those questions for myself right i'll i'll let the and that's what i did um towards the the latter episodes of this game i sat down and i said okay so we know all this stuff is going on here are the questions that i've asked i need to make sure i have answers for all of these things so that um we have a satisfying ending right um, and that's typically how I write stories generally, uh, whether or not it's a role-playing game scenario or a book or whatever else. Um, I will improv a lot at the beginning, and then I will sit down, heavily analyze what I did in the first half, and then I will figure out what the ending is going to look like. And so what I want to do right now is I want to kind of go through some of those pieces that maybe aren't 100% obvious. And I, I you know, definitely, I, I, I talked to the players about this afterwards, um, you know, when we haven't didn't do something recording uh, but a lot of it's a little bit more subtle as to the answers if you're paying attention you'll be able to you should be able to figure out the the clues for yourself but i wanted to talk about the, the sort of sort of stuff that was happening behind the scenes that i ended up having to find answers for so i, I just have a list here um i don't know if these are particularly in chronological order but we'll we'll see um hopefully it makes sense the order i have them in here um the first thing right uh episode end of episode two uh, the players get to the town. They get to Estel, and there's a cloaked figure, right? That Theo see, or uh, that Theo doesn't see. Uh, but we we have this shot of right Theo like asking around about the the cult, and you know, have you have you heard of, of anybody uh, who's against the church? Um, and then we the last shot we had of the episode was like a cloaked figure in the distance that no one sees. Uh, suddenly, like look at Theo and then disappear mysteriously. I did not know who that was when I um you know, initially had that figure approach. That's the, that was a question I asked uh, the players and myself, who is this person? I didn't know. Uh, but I did figure out by the end um, that it was Legar or Leggard. Um, we, we call him Leggard in episode nine. And then I think I rethink the name because it just seems weird. It sounds weird. And I kind of try to make it like weirdly fancy. It's still spelled the same, but I, I say Legar instead of Leggard. Um, either pronunciation works, honestly, at this point, I don't really particularly care myself. Um, but, uh, yeah, that guy, the, the, uh, redheaded, um, assassin from, uh, from the North, uh, who, who's working with the order and, and ends up, uh, tries to, uh, kill those women who are infected with the, the smoke disease. Um, yeah, he's that cloaked figure. Um, so he, he had come 
Leggard, right, had had been in Estel probably for like a week when the the players get there. Um, and he had been called in late to what the order was doing, what Min and the Abbas were doing, um, in Asia. And uh he was kind of scouting around the town and he got whiff of what was going on with the players, um, and was kind of, you know, went to the Abbas and Min at that point and and they started their plans behind the scenes, uh, because they figured it they they realized, oh, the keys have arrived. Um, so that was Leggard uh slash cigar uh, the whole time. Um the cult attacking the Abbey. So when, you know, obviously we we initially have the Abbey as the red herring and the Abbas as the red herring, like, oh, they're the cult the whole time. Oh no, oh no. Um and uh obviously that's a red herring because the cult attacks them instead, right? So um, once they figure out who attacked the Abbey and they're like, oh yeah, this is actually the cult and Dellen's obviously been chasing them and then chases them to the Abbey. We realize that the Abbey is actually the victims in this scenario. The Abbess is the victim, um, though she is obviously guilty of other stuff as we learn later. Um, but I, I wanted to make a quick note about that. The cult attacked the Abbey because they were getting back at the church. Um, and I think Dellen mentions this in episode 10, which is coming up here. Um, but, uh, I wanted to make it clear, um, cause it probably would have been to the characters, um, more so than maybe the, the, an audience perspective that the cult was attacking the Abbey, um, as part of like a religious clash, right? Um, for whatever reason, Frinta decided, um, my group needs to get back at the church. Maybe they didn't like what the Abbas was saying in the, in the public square. Um, and, uh, they decided to attack the Abbey and get, get back at them that way. Um, the uh, the strange symbols drawn on the walls of the mayor com- mayor's compound were drawn by the cult um, in a ran- rather pointless vandalism to spread their symbols throughout the town. So when Dellen's right investigating the mayor specifically, uh, he finds this uh, this symbol. And you know, at first, I I I didn't know particularly who had drawn it, um, but I knew that it. I, I knew that the cult had drawn it, but I didn't know at that point whether or not the mayor was part of the cult or part of something else. And so, uh, again, that was a question I asked myself, uh, but ultimately it doesn't make sense. And I think I answered this question pretty quickly for myself. If the mayor points out to Dellen a symbol he himself had drawn. So I thought it was a pretty safe bet to, to say that was uh, not him. Continuing with Dellen's investigation, the group that went to the church and talked with Father Thomas um, was indeed some of the cult um, and, you know, a group of the cult and, and, they went there and I think I pretty much knew what was happening along the, the same time I, I said this uh, to, to Dellen and, and like explained, I think I already knew what I was going for, but I think the thing that was going on there is uh, that a, a few of the members of the cult went to the church and were asking him questions to kind of subtly mock him, mock him. Um, right. So asking him questions about uh, doctrine and destiny and fate um, in a way that Father Thomas took to be like, oh, they're asking me questions about their lives and their vocations and what they should do with their lives and all that stuff. Uh, you know, and as a uh, member of the clergy, he was humoring them, but they were basically more or less trying to get him to slip up and make some sort of, um, in their minds, doctrinal error um, in during that conversation. Uh, basically, yeah, just to, to mock him. Um, but then, you know, the youth, right? So Dellen talks to Father Thomas um, and he learns from that that there is a youth involved in uh, a young man involved in the in in this group that that talked to him uh, and that was involved in some um, 
petty theft that happened earlier, um, right? The cult used that that young man who was involved with these other uh, younglings, uh, younger younger dudes, uh, younger boys in uh, Estel, and uh, they used them to basically rob the armory and pose it as petty theft by uh, high ranking. By, by children of high-ranking members of the community so they could get away with it. And then suddenly, oh no, I guess a few of the weapons just mysteriously are never found again. And the cult gets them. Um, so that was the cult using them. Uh, the cultist also... The one thing that I noticed listening back through um, the episodes and, and editing them and stuff is, is Dellen really doesn't, I think, get what happened with the boats. Um, and, and by extension, obviously David, um, right. My intention with, uh, the cult, like taking the boats in episode 4.5 and like rowing them up the river is so that they would, you know, park the boats near the cliffs, climb up the cliffs and attack the Abbey without having to go over the bridge. Um, so, you know, sneak attack the Abbey is the idea there. But for some reason, Dellen always had it in his mind, I think until the end of the season, really just like that they had taken off. That like members of the um, the cult had just left, uh, but no, like they they were on the boats for a specific purpose, and it was to get to the abbey, um, and so they were all there. <clears throat> so no one, no one like escaped with a boat. Um, the mayor and Lyra, and the master of the house, um, were unaware of the cult activity, but were in cahoots with H.E.M. Min and later Leggard in their quest. Uh, so when H.E.M. contacted the two of them. Um, so when, when H.E. arrived in Estel and were given, was given her, her new positions through the machinations of the order, uh, she contacted the two of them, uh, the mayor and Liren, and, and brought them into the fold. Um, and so, you know, that obviously that had been going on for some time. Uh, the hints that are in the, the uh, mayor's diary are along those lines, right? I, that was what I was trying to hint at, is that the mayor joined the order or at the very least is working with the order. Uh, it's, it is still unclear by the end of the season. Um, what exactly was going on there but uh yeah so he he was never involved in the cult stuff which you know makes sense because uh he uh he had symbols drawn on his um uh his quarters and they were trying to as as uh, yuma points out like we were trying to do this all under his nose the whole time so uh mayor and Liren aren't involved with that uh but they were involved with the stuff with the order and that was kind of my intention with doing the stuff with the order um right with this mysterious third group um the, you know, we have the Inquisitors, the the Cult, and the Order all involved in Estol right now. And that was kind of my intention, right? I wanted, um, after they caught the Cult in episode 5, I was like, I want to hint at the fact that there may be more Cult members that they haven't dealt with yet. Um, because there's obviously something else going on. Like, what's going on with this random hawk that comes out of nowhere and and grabs them this weird mirror amulet thing from antonius what's up with the hints about a ritual right and so i wanted to kind of give the the impression that there was more cult stuff but when in reality there was a third group um and that was kind of the final reveal of the season was oh no it's actually this international organization secret organization that spans the whole world and it's there's fate and destiny and prophecies and what's going on here there's something bigger than just cults right and that would lead to the rest of the the show um continuing on into later seasons as kind of the general cosmological arc um the the overarching thing that was happening so um oh and speaking of the the of the um falcon the um 
the falcon that comes and grabs that mirror amulet thing from Antonius. Um, right. So that's that was Ligard, uh, as he says, uh, who sent that falcon uh, to go grab it. Um, so basically what happened, right, is Ligard was about to visit um, the mayor uh, to receive the mirror, that mirror, right, when Contarius showed up and to try to kill the mayor. Um, and so that he, he got involved with all that. And so uh, Ligard couldn't actually get the mirror. Um, but he did manage to secretly steal the staff during the commotion, right? Um, uh, and I don't think I ever have revealed who exactly was involved in taking the staff. Um, I, I, I implied that obviously, um, the, the order got the staff, but it was Laird himself who was basically infiltrating. Uh, he was pretending to be, um, like a member of those mercenaries during that commotion. Um, because he had showed up to go visit with the mayor uh, to get to receive the mirror. Uh, and that's when Cantaria showed up. Um, but he still didn't know where the mirror was being hidden. Right. Um, and so, but he, and he couldn't find it until later uh, when he touched base with the abbess and made a gas uh, because, you know, uh, mirror, the mayor and Liren were both in prison. Um, and uh, yeah, basically he, he sent the Falcon to go, to go get it uh, on a guess from the abbess. Um, and uh, one other note about that Falcon. It is actually an animal that has been awakened using the physical discipline. Um, and uh, I don't think anyone knows what happened to that falcon. Hint, n- hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Who knows? I mean, I don't even know what happened to that falcon. But I did realize that myself. I was like, oh, yeah. Because uh, I knew it was an, an, like an awakened, intelligent animal. Um, but uh, I, we never find out what happens to it. So uh, I guess he's still out there somewhere. But uh, yeah. That is, I think, the majority of the secrets that were kind of going on behind the scenes. There are still many more secrets to come uh, as we continue with Chrome Inquisitors beyond season one. There will be a lot of other stuff um, and a lot of questions that were asked in this season that were never answered um, and then might be answered in the future. We will be taking a break from Chrome Inquisitors after uh, this next episode releases, episode 10 which will tie up and end season one of Crow Inquisitors. Um, this is, it's a monumental task to put all of this together. Um, and I have a blast doing it, um, but sometimes it's just, it, it takes so much. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to be able to um, get it done basically in that, in a year, um, right? Like I, I started releasing this at the beginning of January, uh, the beginning of 2021, and I'm releasing it. Um, at the end hopefully if i release everything on time here uh at the end of 2021 um before january uh at the end of december here and uh but you know i'm i'm happy it, it took a it took a while but i'm happy with the way it turned out i'm really happy with the way it turned out uh i'm excited to release all the music that i've been working on um and and put in the episode like for people to buy um and listen to just on spotify and stuff like that um, but, uh, Chrome Quizzers is not over. I will be taking a break from it because it's a lot, but, uh, we will be continuing and, uh, there will be more to come in this world, in the burning wheel and, uh, of Chrome Inquisitors in the future. But for now, I will go ahead and sign off here and, uh, tomorrow you can expect the final episode of season one of Chrome Inquisitors, episode 10. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank <laughs> you.